Buckle up, everybody. It's time for another episode of Dime Travel. You know the podcast where we go back in time, subtract the NBA playoffs, and see how things would turn out if there was just a regular season. And since we're traveling back in time, we make a few stops to check out what's happening during that year. You know, check out some concerts, maybe some musicals, and maybe some other culturally significant events. It's your standard sports talk science fiction podcast, so let's step into this phone booth and let's help Bill and Ted get an A on their high school history project and maybe rewrite the history of the National Basketball Association. It's time to drop a dime. question remains, though, how do we decide who the regular season champion is? We can't just compare their records because some teams have a harder schedule than others depending on how many times they play each opponent. So here's what we decided to do. For each team, we average their winning percentage against every other team. That way, it doesn't matter if you went 1-1 against the team or 3-3 three three against them. The percentage is the same. Then we took the average of those percentages. And finally, we multiplied that winning percentage by 82 just to give us an adjusted record out of 82 games like we're used to seeing. Then the team with the best adjusted record is our champion. Last episode, we re revisited the 1982-1983 NBA season and confirmed that Moses and Dr. J's 76ers were in fact the best team. Today, we're going to reevaluate the 1964-1965 NBA season to see if Bill Russell and the Celtics can hold on to this one of their many titles. Joining me today is Chris. Hey, hey, hey. And Ryan. Welcome back, my friends. Yes, good to be back. But first things first, we're going to start with the best part of our show, the time travel week, as a way of getting into the 1965 frame of mind. And the premise of this segment is that if we're talking about going back in time to re-examine an NBA season, well, what if we really could go back to that season and not change world events or invest, in mon invest our money? We get one week during the NBA season to see some games, see some concerts, maybe do some other stuff, maybe buy a jersey at a game. So this week, in honor of The Yesterday Machine, a movie that might have come out this year, it's unclear. There's like three different possible release dates, but one of the release dates was this season. So we're right. going to be traveling using the principle of super spectronic relativity. So Ryan... Why don't you start us off? If you could go back to the 64-65 NBA season for one week, what would you do? Well, thank you very much, Kevins. Great being here tonight with you guys. Um, yeah. Well, this is machine's a little bit more tricky to use than our other ones, but I think I'm going to be able mm -hmm. to take it back to January 5th, 1965, New York City, to check out the Rolling Stones. Um, and these farther time span periods, like, 1960s, 50s, probably a lot of concerts out there, just not as much reference resource. So I um, feel like we might be traveling to similar times and places. But um, I'm going to check out the Rolling Stones. I'm going to hear Everybody Needs Somebody to Love, which sounds like that Queen hit. It's a little bit different, but that's what they're opening with. And I also like that their second uh, song's Off the Hook. So I thought that was something that just came up in the 1990s as far as mm -hmm. something that was awesome maybe even early 2000s but clearly it's been around for a while so are you um, a, are you a rolling stones fan not really i'm gonna be honest with you but i feel yeah. like a lot of this show it teaches me that there's things that i probably would have appreciated with much more love if i understood it better i just haven't really devoted a lot of time to them and not, just a little bit of a spoiler i was also going to go see the rolling stones mostly because they were a band that i've just never been able to get into so I right. want to see them a few times, given this opportunity, and see if I can figure out why they're such a... I've really given them a chance. Is this Pete Rolling Stones? I mean, it, like, are quite. they peaking their powers? 
uh, very popular at this time. It's not. They're building like, their best out. albums. Yeah, their best are albums aren't the... really out yet. Oh, okay. Is this part of the British invasion? Like, were they yeah. considered part of the British invasion? Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm gonna try to to see what it's all about, and again, give them another chance. Maybe that time perspective, the new the new sounds that are coming out at that time, maybe which captured everybody a bit more than when we, as opposed to us who came a little bit later. Then I'm going to check out the Celtics versus the Lakers a couple days later. Going to get to California. Boston wins that game 112 to 104. Sam Jones, who is a player I didn't really know much about, um, was um, averaging his most points per game this year, his eighth season on Boston. And uh, only six foot four inches, but his prime score. He actually took 35 shots this game, which is surprising because he got. Bill Russell on the team only took 16 shots, only had 13 points. Elgin Baylor had 32 points, 15 rebounds. Um, but the reason I picked this game is because it's a nice way. There's three games um, all in California, and Boston wins all of them. The, the next day, um, they take on Wilt in San Francisco, and Wilt put up 30 and 25. Didn't matter. Boston still beat them. And then the following day, the Lakers lost again to Boston. Havlicek took 34 shots. I just think it's remarkable just to see that shot volume. A um, couple games ago with Sam Jones and I get Havlicek. So it's going to see how yeah. Boston was able to use different players to, just to find a way to win. Like whoever seemed like they had the hot hand, you know, happens now, but I feel like that shot volume doesn't happen as much. It's usually one player, not, not a bunch of players. Uh, after check out those basketball games, um going to check out Goldfinger came up. In 1964, interesting about Goldfinger, it got into Guinness Book of World Records because it was the fastest-grossing film. Um, there's some Ew. famous characters from that movie. You guys may remember. You guys remember those other mm -hmm. characters? I, I I do remember some of those characters. So were, were you a were you a uh, James Bond fan? I, I am. Yeah, a I remember Bond 007. Fan. Who else are you referring to? I know 007. Um, I think there was the Kitty, something like that. Uh -huh. And his, odd his job. pilot. An odd job, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and there was, there's a character who gets killed by, uh, like, they, they, I think they, they refer to it as, like, skin suffocation because he paints her gold. Right. It's, a, it's a thing I legitimately worried about um, in my life. It always seemed to me like a terrible way to die before finding out it's not a real thing. It I was always scared when, when you see like the blue man group. I would always worry like, oh, is that safe for them? Oh, that's uh, right. Apparently, it's not like a real thing. So right. also when people get like tarred and feathered, I always thought that they oh. would suffocate from that. Phew. Right. Yeah, but it's, I'm just uh, learning this. Yeah, it's the, don't worry about it, Chris. It's not real. I mean, it's not oh, good goodness. for you, but yeah, you're not going to skin suffocate. I imagine Odd Job was given that name like post birth. It wasn't like they had it picked out for him. Mm -hmm. You think it might be a family name? Well, like, that's why I, I don't. Third? I, I don't think it. Like I think it's because they didn't know what to do with him, and they're just like, "Go do that or go do this," and mm -hmm. that's why he adopted the name. But the other character, Kitty, I don't know if that was something at birth. They're like, "There's a lot of that galore," and mm -hmm. yeah. And, or do you think like she got that nickname later on, like in high school, or you, you think her parents gave her that? <laughs> I'm guessing her parents. Okay. Uh, it's crazy that this movie was so popular, to be honest. It's pretty yeah. wild, actually. It's a very creative uh, storyline. Yeah. And then I'm really running out of time, um, mm. but I'm going to try to see if I can find Michael Jackson and a little bit of stalking, but not too creepy of a way. Because apparently he made his first public debut singing in 1964 at, at, high, sc at high school. I'm going to try to follow him around, see if I can catch a show. What? You want to follow young Michael Jackson around high school? <laughs> this is the best part of your week. <laughs> what is this plan? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But the problem is I, I need to figure out exactly. Well, I know he's in Indiana, and I just don't know exactly when if hmm. he's having a show. Mm -hmm. He's just starting to gain some traction and popularity. Like, they didn't know how talented he was at this point. So this is like way, way before he's who he is now or was. Like this right, is early, this is like underground Michael Jackson. This is come his coming out party. 
Yeah. I think the document, the title of the documentary would be Finding Michael Jackson Before Neverland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's crazy. Then, um, a, gr- a great idea for you to follow him around high school. But I don't so have a lot of He would have been, uh, just, I just looked up, he would have been six and a half years old this year. Wow. So. Yeah, so that's the thing. Fact. He didn't even go to the high Maybe school. The high he school's just... the wrong school. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he, he, he performing perform, at high school. Like at his brother's oh, okay. high school. Like that's when he first got his debut and they recognized okay. how talented he was. And then eventually they evolved to become the Jackson Five. But his that first sort of performance on a stage was in 64, which would hit some of the time span into our NBA season. So his first performance was at a high school, on a high school right. stage. Correct. I, I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. yeah, it's true. That was our first performance. And then I'm going to take the Megalotron back to the... S- super Spectronic Relativity is, is the principle that we're going to be using. Okay, I'm not, I'm not using this very re- well. Let's no, call it the SSR. Great. The SSR or the Yesterday Machine is fine too. Yeah. Yesterday Machine, yeah, either that's one's really fine. good. We'll, we'll, every, people will know what you meant. Yeah. All right, well, nice. Glad you got to see young Michael Jackson. Chris, what's your what's your plan for the week? Um, well, it's 1964, so I thought it'd be kind of cool to uh, sit in with the Supreme Court. Oh, cool. Um, okay. From what I understand, is you get there early enough, you can you can get in. So uh, there was a really interesting court case. Uh, it was called the Heart of Atlanta Motel versus the United States. Um, so I'm I'm going to start. December 14th, 1964, flying to Washington, D.C. to try to get in there and see this. Um, and, and why it's an important court case is the Supreme Court was uh, trying to decide if the Heart of Atlanta Motel had the right to discriminate uh, against letting someone stay at their hotel based on, based on race. Uh, this is at a time where you know, civil rights are on the rise. And the Supreme Court ended up finding that um, they actually weren't allowed to uh, uh, discriminate or, or not allow people to stay there um, based on race. And it became kind of a landmark piece in the civil rights legislation. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's, I, it's a, an interesting case. A big case. weird and case. We, yeah, yeah it, it kind of is a, a domino um, in in part of a bigger civil rights picture but i thought it'd be interesting to see it i I know that there was a pretty fervent case to argue back and forth and um it had something to do with a very specific piece of law about you know doing business on an interstate and basically when people are traveling up and down the interstate they have to abide by different laws um because that's the only businesses people can use right so the the, the main the main thing the the way the way our government is supposed to run is that states are supposed to have some autonomy, but then Congress started using the commerce clause, which says that they have jurisdiction when it involves interstate commerce. Yes, and as correct. the world got more and more complicated, more and more things could technically be described as interstate commerce related. And so Congress started to feel like they had power over every jurisdiction. And yep. so that's, that's, what's why this was the case there. And the fact that it's a motel makes it, uh, more particularly relevant to the commerce clause, but, the 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 Congress started. It didn't even need to be that obviously related to interstate commerce. They, they started governing everything according to that clause, right? And so, is you know, as it is with every landmark decision by the Supreme Court, this this case is referred to, you know, something like two or three hundred times going forward after this. Um, mm-hmm. In other cases, to kind of build uh, different cases towards civil rights. So that's why it ends up being an important piece of history. Um, yeah. So after that, you know, I decided to kind of let loose a little bit. I'm going to fly from Washington, D.C. to Houston, Texas uh, to see the Beach Boys perform. Um, Do you think anybody else uh, who was at the Supreme Court uh, reading will also be at that concert? Or do you think you might be the only one who does both of those things? I I have no idea. Um, (laughs) But I would invite some people. This is like two very different activities. Absolutely. And I think diversity is the spice of life. So true. When I put my itineraries together, I always like just try to spice it up. Yeah. So, um, 
anyway, so I'm going to fly to Houston, Texas. The reason I want to see the Beach Boys, because I know you guys picked some other uh, bands at this time, is they were kind of uh, an interesting band that got together as just some young teenagers and were part of this uh, kind of like beach surf music wave, um, pardon the pun, uh, that sort of propelled them on the national spotlight when they were, you know, like very, very young. They became millionaires pretty quickly within like a year. I mean, to me, they're kind of like the original Bieber. Um, <laughs> and really what so? they, yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting if you look at the, the time frame. there was no social media, you know, no YouTube or anything, and they became so popular so quickly. So who uh, was their usher? Um, I, I, I don't want to make this too weird, but it would probably be <laughs> Phil Spector. Okay. Um, okay. And I think the reason is, I don't know how far to go down this tangent, because if you start to look at the lore of Beach Boys and, and kind of their history and their entanglement with m- music and the celebrity world, like there's a lot of crazy stuff that happened um, as far as tangent lines with the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll just try to summarize what I thought was interesting. So they kind of get propelled into the national spotlight, but then... After a couple of years, the surf music craze is starting to kind of die down, especially with the British invasion around 1964. And so I think Brian Wilson sort of tried to keep up with with the Beatles. Um, And he also really liked Phil Spector's music, who was basically a producer for a lot of other famous musicians. And so he tried to sort of follow his style. Um, and I think just because they were following Phil Spector, trying to keep up with the British invasion, they, they're really pumping out records. Um, I go to this concert in Texas and Brian Wilson ends up having a breakdown after the show and leaves Mm. the band for like 12 years, which just kind of crazy. And you look at the history of the beach boys and they have band members coming and going, even though they were a family built band. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I mean, they're just a crazy band when you look at them. They're they're often mauled on stage. They had to by female audience members, not only here in the U.S. but also when they travel through Europe. They often have to end the show early because there's riots or people running on stage. The brother Dennis, who was basically the on and off drummer of the band, also he was a party animal who ended up befriending Charles Manson. Um, he even had Manson staying at his house where there was parties and. And sometimes music would happen. Um, yeah, at some, the way it at goes. some point, Manson's just basically staying at his house, and Dennis Wilson stops staying at the house because Manson's creeping him out um, and eventually kind of starts his cult. Um, mm-hmm. And then later on, the Manson murders happen, and uh, that's all kind of crazy. I mean, it didn't happen at his house, it happened at a different house in Hollywood. But the fact that for a while they were hanging out, I think Dennis tried to get Manson into the band and even on some albums mm-hmm. and recording with him. Anyway, this is all pretty he, insane. He was, uh, he did have a few songs, right? Charles Manson. I mean, he had one yeah. song that they recorded that was based on his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of his stuff was never released or saved, um, but there was supposedly one song and I don't think Manson gets credit. He's not credited with the Yeah, with the it is weird to think that there was probably one time where Brian Wilson was like, I don't know, man, this Manson guy's creeping me out. I'm going to go hang out with Phil Spector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally insane. Um, yeah. And then Dennis Wilson, kind of like, because he was such a party animal, he never really got his stuff together. He later dies in a California marina after trying to dive intoxicated into the bay to find belongings of his ex-wives that was thrown in there three years prior. And just like never surfaced. Uh, until he was like had passed away a couple days later. Yeah, until it was too late. Um, yeah, apparently right. what what did over the top for getting scaring the Beach Boys was um, singer Mike went over to uh, Charles Manson's house for dinner and everybody was naked. And that was when yeah. they were like, "This is too much." Yeah, Man. it's just not good dinner party etiquette for sure. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest. Breaker. Yeah, that was that was always the knock on the Manson family. Yeah, I mean, to quote, quote the Beach Boys, they'll have fun, fun, fun till their daddy takes a T-bird away. Yeah, like you can do that in my room, but don't mm-hmm. do it out here, you know? Yeah, everybody's so they, surfing you. There's okay. no other way to have fun unless you have the T-bird? I, I mm-hmm. guess so. We never had a yeah. T-bird. 
I know. It's been pretty boring. <laughs> How do we get one yeah. of these? Well, right. basically, I went from the court case to the crazy concert. Um, so another, wait, wait, another court which, case. Which do you think sold more copies? Which do you think sold more copies? I get around by Tupac or I get around by the Beach Boys? Probably I get around by the Beach Boys. No, it was Tupac. Tupac, it was the first number one hit for the Beach Boys, but Tupac went platinum. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. So his, well, his I don't remember, was that a cover of it? Um, but Tupac's cover of I Get Around um, sold more copies. That's crazy trivia. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I'm going to transition there from Houston, Texas. I'm going to fly back to the East Coast the next day to catch the Knicks at the Celtics. Um, and actually, they play in Rhode Island. Uh, so this is actually my basketball part of my time travel week. Uh, you know, Bill Russell does his thing with 19 points, 26 rebounds. Willis Reed, the, the awesome rookie from New York, 22 points, 16 rebounds. The uh, Knicks beat the Celtics by one point, even though they're a much lesser team. They're 7-21, and 21 and the, the Celtics are 25-6. and six. Um, and it, So it's a one-point victory. I think that's probably all pretty exciting. I don't have much notes from the game, except for, you know, I could catch some key players there. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting was the fact that they played in Rhode Island, and I was like, I looked at their rec or their their season schedule and realized they played in Rhode Island like three or four times that season, and I was kind of curious about like what was going on there. So I kind of looked into that a little closer, and what I think is interesting is that the owner of the Celtics in 1950 was basically bleeding money. He needed help, so. He kind of reached out to this rich guy named Lou Pieri, um, who owned an auditorium in Rhode Island, uh, and he was running some kind of uh, a team called the Providence Steamrollers there, which they were just terrible. Um, terrible. So he ended up saying that he would he would basically loan him some money if the Celtics would play some games there during the regular season, you know, to, to sell some tickets. And that's like what kind, kind of, of games. Like saw games, no basketball like squid games. games. Uh, not it's not squid or saw, but just basketball. Monopoly. Games. Oh, bas. Okay, it was basketball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, question, he said though. this is the basketball part of his podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. Good question. And then Charles um, Manson came. Mm-hmm. Charles Manson did not come. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. But the other interesting thing is, uh, Pierre. Also, uh, was friends with Auerbach and had asked him uh, as part of the deal, uh, to be the coach of the Celtics. So Brown agreed with that too. So you basically end up getting the Celtics with red as the coach because of this financial agreement. And then the Celtics play in Rhode Island, which is just kind of interesting to me. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of go to this old Providence auditorium to watch Bill Russell and the Celtics come to town and lose by one point to the exciting rookie Willis Reed. And and that is the end of my week, unless you guys have any more razzing you want to do. We you feel like we were razzing? Yeah, all the time. Okay, sorry. I, I oh don't apologize. I'm I enjoy the Raz. I'm here for oh, the Raz. Well, I think what prompted my question was uh, earlier today I saw in the news, um this might give away the timeline, but the Mavericks owner selling you know part of his shares or Mm -hmm. a part ownership of the team and Mm -hmm. he's selling it to a las vegas based company that's deals with gambling and things like that and so they're trying to potentially build like a resort or um you know a a small size vegas hotel with gambling and things like that and right now gambling is illegal in texas so they think that might implement changes for them to start getting game like you said play games, I was thinking maybe down that gambling route, but it makes more sense that they were just trying to play a basketball game. Yeah. yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that would be a cool game to go to. So here here is what my plan was. I'm going back January 1st, 1965 to the Orange Bowl. Watch Alabama versus Texas. So Alabama quarterback was Joe Namath, who the day after this game signed a record contract with the Jets. 
but Alabama loses this game 21-17. Uh, but Alabama was still national champion because the voting ended before the bowl games that year, uh, all the way until 1968. Alabama is still in the championship game? Jeez, like, what is this, 70 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but they lose. They lose, but they still are the national champions. So. Right. But uh, Joe Namath was most outstanding player, even though he was on a losing team. And this was this is the first time they had the Orange Bowl at night. It's their first live primetime nationally televised college football game. It's um, it's similar to our basketball, um, where the postseason doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that's how it was back then, mm-hmm. until '68. And yeah, it was like a, a split national t- championship between Alabama and Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But then Texas, who only lost to Arkansas, ended up beating Alabama. So there were there were at least three really good teams that year. Also, this team is famously coached by Bear Bryant. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so then two days later, I'm going to go watch the Warriors lose at the Bullets uh, just to see Wilt on on San Francisco before he gets traded. So this is this is the year where Wilt in the middle of the season gets traded for Paul Newman, zero time all star. Uh, Connie Deerking, zero all stars and Lee Schaefer, who did have an all star appearance, but retired instead of uh, agreeing to the trade. So, so would this be one of the they best, got for Wilt? best trades ever or worst trades ever, depending what ti- yeah. team you're on? Depending on which side you're on, yeah. I mean, it has to be one of the, the worst ever, right? Is it, yeah. like, I cannot think of a worse trade. Paul George yeah. trade? No, so, uh, there there were reasons okay, for that, at least. And at least, you got, at least you got Paul George and Kawhi agreed to come. This was this was Paul Newman and... There must be... Before, before the salad dressing phase, even. There oh, must really? have been some financial compensation as well. It was I, like 150k. Okay, that's uh, not enough. Which, which in our in in today's dollars is I think infinity, but like it's 10, still 10 billion not quite conversion. enough for Wilt. Way to convert on the fly. Yeah, yeah. But so that's Wilt cool. had Wilt had 53 and 28 this this game. He was this is right in the middle of his amazing career. So that would be cool to see. But although neither of his teams had that much success. Uh. And then two days later, I'm going to go watch the Royals beat the Knicks in overtime. And this is a good uh, prime Oscar Robertson. So if you can see Oscar Robertson get a triple double, which he did this night, 37, 11, and 15, led the league in assists. So I got, got to see Wilt score 53. Uh, and at that game, I was going to pick up that Don Ole, that home bullets number 10 Don Ole jersey. Mm-hmm. That's a nice Don one. Don Ole, whose nickname was Waxy in reference to his buzz cut. Which I I don't know what that meant. Do they used to like wax their buzz cuts? I don't know, bro. But they need to bring that back. I like that. I think I think it still happens. Does it? It's like hair product stuff. Mm-hmm. But but isn't the point of a buzz cut that you don't have to use hair product? Or well, you still have I don't know. you still have some fine hair that needs some sculpting. Okay. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. And then uh, two days after that, I'm gonna go out to Dublin, Ireland. To watch the Rolling Stones perform, so you go to Dublin. Are you going to get right. a pint? Yeah, as I, as I said, when Ryan was doing his, not a huge Rolling Stone fan, so I want to see them a few times. You know, like uh, there, there's lots of Beach Boy songs I like. I, I kind of want to wait till a little bit, a little bit later to go see them. Wait for Good Vibrations to come out and wait for Pet Sounds to come out. But is that where Stonehenge is in Ireland? No. I thought Stonehenge was England. Oh, you're right. Stone. It's in Salisbury, the UK. Um, do you know, since you're in Dublin, do you know when Guinness was founded? And no, if I give you I multiple don't. choice, could you guess? Depending on how many choices. 1891. Maybe. We'll do. We'll, 1891 is one guess. What would you say, Kevin? 1891. It's 1759 when ah. Arthur Guinness bought a small brewery in Dublin. Arthur. I think the actual Guinness beer was finally decided on the, the concentrate that we know today in 1799. So about 40 years mm. after. But anyway. Okay. That was when his son Oddjob took over the family business, right? Not at all. Oh, 1759 even has on the label. Yeah. yeah that's why I didn't know if you remembered the harp and the label. And why does that. it have the harp? That's a really good question. Um, do yeah. you know why? I'll probably have to send our guys out. 
Do you know what? Do you have a guess? I don't have a guess. I don't have any guess. Literally, it's it's called the Brian Boru harp. It's a symbol that reflects Irish culture and arts. So yeah. Guinness happened to stake it, a claim on it first, so they've got it as their logo. Okay. Hmm. But they've got the harp trademark. That is fascinating. Okay. All right. Well, I, I don't know how we ended up on Guinness. So I guess they had to go to Ireland. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. But then after that Rolling Stones performance, which is early, early Rolling Stones, so not... This is them still breaking out. But after that, I'm heading back to uh, the present time. That's really Welcome awesome. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. That brings us to our game, Guess the Players. Guess the Players. Where Ryan and then Chris guess which player made an all-NBA team this season and had the following nicknames. Get it, Ryan. So, so which player made an all-NBA team in 1965 and had the nickname High Gear? High Gear. I don't think it's going to be a tall man. I'm liking Sam Jones for this one. Okay. Chris, that's I feel like this one's right in your wheelhouse. That's that's not correct. I'm going to go with the rhyminess of Hal Greer. Mm-hmm. It's Hal Greer. Oh, wow. yeah. That okay, actually he, works. He was known as High Gear Greer. The, Second the, gear. Yeah, the right. Hal the, Greer. alliterative or it's rhyming right. or whatever often works for these. I often go for body shape. Yeah. It's not working very well. Yeah. But I think I, you go I, for body shape. I'm a, <laughs> what do you think I've been a body shape man? Gear. <laughs> I'm going to have to change Greer's. Yeah. I mean, I remember at a time when you used to buy a lot of shapewear. Is that what you meant? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he's yes. referring to. There's so many really options grind, now. Really grinds my Greer's. All right. Next one. Ryan, which player made an All-NBA team this season and had the nickname Big Blue? I was hoping to say Flava Flava, and I was going to guess Elgin Vela. But... Yeah, <laughs> I'm saving that one, though. Third Big gear. Blue. It's all right. Who had the nickname Wamberlin? <laughs> Wait, what was your initial question? Bob Blue? Big Blue. Big Blue. Big well, blue. that sounds like a rough night, but... Um, I'm going to guess Bob Pettit. It is Bob Pettit. <laughs> Your boy. You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. Big Blue Bob Pettit. Got that nickname because he wore a long blue overcoat as a rookie. Hmm. Start calling him Big Blue. They're really desperate on some of these. Yeah. Yeah. Like, has nothing to do with all this time All-NBA player for the Hawks. Hall of Famer. This was his last season. Last season for old Big Blue. Mm. All right. Well, that brings us to the top three teams for this season. And so I went through a whole, like, how we modify the regular season records. That's a really important thing to do in a lot of seasons. It didn't matter for this season because there just happened to be the exact number of teams that you could play an 82-game season, playing every team the exact same number of times. So everyone played everyone the same number of times. But That's great. The number three team... This season was the Cincinnati Royals, led by Oscar Robertson, number two in MVP voting, hmm. and Jerry Lucas, All-NBA first team. Uh, Wayne Embry was also an All-Star on this team. And this is a team that lost to Philly in the first round, 3-1. to one. That, that Philly team that added uh, that added Wilts midseason. Before he played for the Bullets, or after he played for the Bullets? After, after he played for the Warriors. The Warriors, sorry. Yeah, he moved from the Philly Warriors to the San Francisco Warriors, then back to Philly. And knocked this team out. Crazy. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Thoughts on the Royals? Uh, That cool team. Jerry Lucas, Oscar Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like like the thing that that suited this this team from this year was the uh, TV show Flipper. You ever seen Flipper? Mm -hmm. Sure have. Yeah. Favorite. I saw... So I feel like I feel like when you look back at these these seasons, like the 76ers had some great years and the Celtics and the Lakers, the Royals were always like a tier below. And I feel like that's the same way it is for Flipper. Like Flipper was cool. He wasn't Lassie. He wasn't Mr. Yeah. Ed. Like he, he was definitely the Mr. next Ed. tier down, like memorable. But no one was like, you know, what my favorite show was Flipper. Yeah. And I feel like that's the Royals. They were the, definitely the next tier down. Well done, but 
second tier. Could you imagine Flipper right. playing the role of Lassie? Like, oh no, there's someone in the water. Like, where are they in the water? That'd be really challenging. Plus, Flipper yeah, could help like, them more than any person. Yeah. Yeah. They, Lassie, like a, they like a role reversal thing? Lassie's like, follow me. I'll bark and show you the way. Like, Flipper, it's harder for Flipper to do that. Another person would yeah. just be. Mm-hmm. Where are you taking me? Yeah. It is Flipper weird. would be like, I'll show you the body, but first, give me a fish. <laughs> it's weird that the, um, it's weird that Lassie and Flipper used their animalness to move the story, but Mr. Ed was just like a character in the house who talked. So personified. He yeah, didn't right. do much like horse stuff. No. Yeah. It was he so was easy just, to read his lips too. You're just kind of a jerk in the barn. I mean, a horse is a horse, of course. Of, of course. course. But unless that's unless Mr. Ed. Yeah. Well, did you know that Flipper lives in a world full of wonder? Lying there I under? Didn't. Under the sea? I didn't. I could tell you didn't. But... Yeah, so that's this. That's their number three team this year. Number two team this awesome. year. Yeah, Los Angeles Lakers. Oh Led yeah, by Jerry West, who is number three in MVP voting. Kanye's El- dad. <laughs> Kanye's dad, Elgin Flava Flava Bela, <laughs> who was All NBA first team, and this team lost in the finals, four to one. But Elgin Baylor got injured like five minutes into the first playoff game. So this was this was an awesome team that really didn't have much of a chance in the in the finals without Elgin Baylor, their second best player. So were they kooky and the creepy? They they might have been. Hmm. See what you did there. Wait, are we still doing old timey name too? By the way, when sure. we go through these teams, sure. Because Dick I, Barnett. I, I, yeah, well, I noticed on the Royals we missed Bucky Buckhorn mm. and Bud Olson. We yeah, usually go for Happy Harris done. We do. We've had in the past, but mm, listen, I think we've outgrown that. Bucky and Bud. I mean, yeah. Also, Daryl Imhoff. Yeah. All right. See you later, Daryl. <laughs> All right, I'm off, guys. Yeah. And it's uh, I. So Ryan went with the Adams family. I I, yeah. I felt like in in honor of the the injury that cost them the Elgin Baylor in- injury I felt like maybe Rock'em Sock'em Robots which came out this year which I guess I should establish Flipper premiered this year that's why I reference Flipper right of course gotcha on my on one of my high school uh no I think it was middle school AAU teams they I had the nickname Flipper briefly because on a on a road trip I was singing the Flipper theme song but it was a fun nugget for the fans but it didn't stick. Yeah, right. good times. I, I think that's a, I think that's a good comparison. Yeah, and that brings us to the number one team, the team that had the uh, the adjusted record of uh, of sixty four and eighteen, the Boston Celtics, who were dominant all year, who were led by Bill Russell, who was the MVP, and led the league in rebounding, was fifth in the league in assists. They also had Sam Jones, who was fourth in MVP voting. They had they had Chris's boy Red Arback, was coach of the year. This was a an amazing team. This is the team that won the championship, so we're just confirming their championship. And yeah. had this is the year of the memorable Havlicek stole the ball game mm-hmm, in the playoffs in the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals against Philly when it was a seven game series. And down in that in the seventh game, it was. Wilt, Wilt had a dunk and hit two free throws in the last minute to cut the lead to one. And then right before the Havlicek stole the ball moment, uh, the the Celtics had the ball out of bounds, but they when they, on the inbound, they hit like a basket support thing. So then that's how Philly got the ball. And then Havlicek stole it. Wow. There's some similarities there with the, the uh, Larry Bird steal to yeah. Dennis Johnson. Yeah, there are. As and, far as scenario. And and this is the game where Wilt, according to Wilt, this is the game after where when people started referring to him as a loser, as a result of this particular game. That's not very wow, nice. That's pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he had a good game. He had some good moments down the stretch, but yeah, he did lose a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's not very nice. I'm putting an L on my forehead right now, like, you know, like secretly. But yeah, you shouldn't say that. Yeah, not to his face. The guy was huge. Yeah, I'd probably say it to his navel. Yeah, I bet you would. 
<laughs> yeah, this is a really, really awesome team. And they wouldn't have Coach Red if it weren't for uh, that financial agreement, Walter mm-hmm. Brown and, and Pierre. Yeah. So I, I think that's pretty cool. And I, I'm i really glad it was Boston slash Providence Celtics this year. Yeah. What what, what should we what should we uh, attribute to them this season? I feel, I feel like there's a no brainer one. You think there's a no brainer there? I do. Hmm. I would tough. probably say Sharpie. Okay, okay. And then why why Sharpie? Because you because you could write down them as the champion in in marker before the season even starts. I know yeah. what the no brainer is now. It cl- it connected for me. Also, it's. Uh, I mean, we still have Sharpie today, so mm-hmm. we still remember this this product. It's memorable, solid, solid lines. Mm-hmm. I think the answer we're looking for is, what are Lucky Charms? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Lucky Charms. Makes a lot of sense for them. This was their seventh straight championship. Hmm. You got the, uh, the Leprechaun yes. connection. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. But yeah, so that was our number one team this year, just just like in real life. But one of the nice things when we have the number one team be the team that already won the championship is it gives us time to do our Jersey Boys segment where we go through and we pick the jerseys for the best current player, best former player, hipster choice, and most annoying jersey for a team. So I felt like this this season we could do the Celtics in honor of their championship. And uh, some of these are, are pretty easy. I feel like best current player, it's got to be Tatum. I don't think there's any real debate there, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, he's yeah. the MVP candidate mm-hmm. on that team. Best former player, Bill Russell or Larry Bird? What do you think? Which which one is it? I, I think uh, the modern memory would be Larry Bird. Like, I think more people probably remember Larry Bird or have seen highlights of Larry Bird than Bill Russell. So probably Larry Bird. Uh, but there's definitely a, a case for Russell during that that championship streak. Mm-hmm. Ryan, yeah, I feel like it's unfair for me to to comment because I just don't have the same experience with Russell. So my my opinion's completely yeah. biased for Bird. But yeah, recent, I, recency I, bias, I like, right? I feel like either yeah. one would be valid. I would go with Russell. The eleven championships is pretty amazing, but yeah. All right. Hipster choice, the the more obscure jersey where you wore that to the stadium, people be like, "Oh, that's a real, that's a real fan of the team." So I I put a sure. couple choices here. I feel like Rondo was a was a really impactful part of some of those uh, those more recent Celtics teams, but wasn't one of the big three, but had some awesome moments. I feel like Dennis Johnson is another one. Hmm. I feel like Cedric Maxwell, and then I also feel like from very recently, Marcus Smart was kind of a I don't think you would have a Marcus Smart jersey unless you were a real Celtics fan. Even though he was he was uh, a little bit polarizing among Celtics fans. Yep. What do you think? Anyone I missed? Well, it's, it's weird. I D guess Brown? they don't quite fit. D. Brownson, but what about Garnett and Pierce? Neither one of these players really fit. Yeah. Like, Antoine Walker, maybe? Would be somebody to consider. I thought Antoine Walker. I, I thought of him too. I, I I just didn't like Antoine Walker that much. But he might he might be a memorable player to to, to some. Yeah, like like for I, me as someone who is a Celtics fan, I feel like Rondo is the one where, like I loved I loved Rondo on that team. Yeah, Celtics Rondo was so fun to watch. The behind the back fake that he did mm-hmm. that's still emulated today was just iconic. And he just it was crazy how he could control the game without even being able to shoot. Right, was, right. He was, yeah. Crazy that it, like, stopped working when he went elsewhere, too. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he had some success other places. It not Maybe not as much, but, yeah. Yeah, not the same level. Um, I just thought, like, this, this guy has adapted a game that is sort of pioneering in the NBA at that moment when he was playing with that team, but it didn't, didn't seem to work when he went elsewhere. Yeah, and I feel he like we have a... scared me. Rondo? Yeah, it kind of scares me sometimes. Why? It's, good. it's very skull skull features. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah, face is a little too gaunt. I used to yeah. really like him. I had a friend who used to always say he looked, he didn't like him because he looked knobby. Yeah. I still don't understand that description, but I think I know what he means. 
but like like he looks like a house elf. Well, this is sort of before Harry Potter became popular. He always used to call him Nobby when we watch him in the finals. Is hmm. called him Nobby Rondo. So J.K. Rowling probably stole that from him. Mm-hmm. I think he probably did. But anyway, I liked his game. It was fun to I'm watch. I'm glad I have a friend like you, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> I'll always feed you the ball. <laughs> I can't shoot with a damn. So Fantastic. I think we have a there's a weird problem with the hipster choice for Boston <laughs> where like we, we decided that James Worthy was too good for it when we did the Lakers. Uh-huh. And I feel like Boston has a lot of those kind of players where it's like, oh, yeah, that guy was on that team. And then you look and he's a Hall of Famer who did like, you know, had multiple all NBA. Like pretty much anyone on the Celtics who was really good up until the 1970 is in the Hall of Fame. So there was too many like too good. So that's why I felt like I end up with a lot of more recent players. But uh, okay, for me, the, it would be Rondo. I honestly think Paul Pierce should at least be in the consideration for best former player then, even though he wouldn't be the pick. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 like P- Paul Pierce was awesome. And on if he was, if he played for like the Pacers, he might be the best former Pacer. But he played for the Celtics. He's not one of the 10 best former Celtics. Okay. Right. But I think Cedric Maxwell would be my best hipster choice because I don't remember him playing on that team. Hmm. So I think you'd have to be a real fan to pull out that jersey. It's a good it's a good pick. What are, what are your thoughts, Chris? On hipster choice? Yeah. I kind of I kind of agree with Ryan's angle. Like I think Rondo is probably recency bias. Okay. Um I think Dennis Johnson is uh he had some moments, but I don't think I don't think he's the hipster choice. Also, I mean, Cedric Marcus, Maxwell is a good choice. He he, he was the Finals MVP, but but didn't make oh, an All Star team. He had the nickname Cornbread, yeah, that, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. This is the yeah, kind of guy we're maybe looking it's for. Maybe it's Cornbread. I feel like Marcus Smart maybe kind of burned his his. Uh, bridge here to be our hipster choice yeah but i, I mean, feel like it's one go... of those things where like i feel like two or three years from now that'll all be forgiven and it'll just be people will, will remember him fondly yeah uh, probably i i think he's kind of he's in a lesser uh penalty box with dylan brooks right now yeah he's sort of but he's sort of kind of like coupled together with that type of player right now which i don't know that the, he this is a bad reputation group but Marcus Smart is is a hard nosed player. He's definitely a very good player and a good candidate for hipster choice. I just don't think he's the choice right now. Okay, I I think I might be swayed that it, the right answer is Cedric Maxwell. I think Rondo might be a little too good for that too, and there might be some recency there. Yeah. But, okay. So that so last is most annoying jersey, like the most embarrassing or corny or obnoxious jersey. So you're here who I proposed for one Chauncey Billups, which. Chauncey was awesome, but they Celtics gave up on him after like half a year. So I'm sure that that hurts a little bit. Vin Baker, who uh, when he came to Boston, started his career fell apart. And and then I thought Gordon Hayward, who had such Yikes. promise, but yeah, everyone remembers that ending poorly and starting poorly. And then Kyrie. Mm-hmm. I think Kyrie. Yeah, I yeah. think it's probably Kyrie. Like people, the, the the thing that's conflicting a little bit about Kyrie is that people do love Kyrie, mm-hmm. and so I think there might be some fans who would actually be like, legitimately wear. Like I wouldn't be shocked that there's people who wear a Kyrie jersey right now. Yeah, I feel like totally. if you wore a Vin Baker jersey, you're the only one there with a Vin Baker jersey. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, I think people might like the Chauncey jersey. It's kind of cool, actually. Just- yeah, I, I think I honestly forgot his five minutes with the Celtics. Um, it it's kind of reminds me of when like Jerry Rice played for the Broncos, like in a, a vague portion of the end of his career. And so people have like these Jerry Rice Broncos jerseys. And that's kind of what that yeah. feels like. It doesn't really feel like an, an annoying jersey, except I don't know. I find the people kind of annoying that wear them. So okay, other than it is an annoying jersey. Yeah. I mean, I love Gordon Haywood and I kind of feel bad for how what happened with this career. I, I feel bad I th- wearing him as the annoying jersey. So I think that Vin Baker. 
No, I think Kyrie is going to generate the most extremes. Yeah. Again, again, like you said, there's people that love him, but then the yeah, people that love like, him also are probably upset that he's gone to like so many teams and that sort of thing and like kind of hate him. I mean, obviously he's a great point guard. He has great skills, but I feel like, like you said, he's just so polarizing. Mm. So I feel like there's so many, he's been on so many teams and people are probably frustrated that he left kind of thing and then hate him because he yeah. left. Okay. Or like, I, I'm torn you. Yeah. I'd, I'd be just between Ben Baker and the flat earther. Okay. <laughs> All right. We could we could say Kyrie for that. So best current player, Tatum, former wrestler, bird, hipster choice, maybe Cedric Maxwell. Almost went full annoying, circle on that. Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Yes, Kyrie. Tatum. Barely knew him. <laughs> I liked well, that, him when I, he was the uncle, Uncle Drew. Yeah, I think that's when he peaked for me, too. I like Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew is really All good. Right. I think that's the end of our uh, of our 1965 episode. Unless there's anything else we should bring up about this season. Well, I think we should I mention one so. other thing. Oh. Sorry. What? Okay. Uh, what is Jeopardy? It's a show that premiered this year. Yes, and guess what? I realized... Earlier today in my prep, I'm almost certain it was the first time the question game was invented. What's the question game? Are we playing right now? <laughs> I thought Chris invented the question game. I didn't invent it. I thought, it was, just an, it. I thought it was just an annoying thing you did in cross country. Probably. Like, literally, the, the there's player a, there's says, a laundry list of those. They say yeah. a category, and they kind of say it with an inflection. It almost sounds like they're asking if they can pick that category for 200. And then you read the statement, and then you answer with a question. This Are you explaining classic. Jeopardy? I think so. I think <laughs> I might. Am I playing Jeopardy? <laughs> I don't, have you seen Anyways, Jeopardy? <laughs> I think that is going to do it for us, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a good note to end on before we sputter into the earth. Um, <laughs> Is that what we were doing? I think so, but I think we're just waiting for Ryan's wife to chime in here and put us to bed. And and, and to establish that ne that next episode, we're going back to 2000. A little 2000. more modern. Yeah. Y2K. In year, yeah, in the year 2000. All right. So the year Ryan gets his little machine ready. And, uh, anyone who listens, uh, thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Hey, kids, go to bed. It is bedtime.